Well, politicians in Washington have been questioning representatives from the PGA Tour over their proposed deal with Live Golf. And in the course of their inquiries, US senators have unearthed a non-disparagement clause in the agreement that was signed that prevents golf chiefs from criticising Saudi Arabia. The clause is not uncommon, but it would appear it was inserted into this contract on the eve of it being agreed. And there is no guarantee therein that players will not be gagged from criticising Saudi Arabia's human rights record once the merger is formalised. That is an agreement that deeply concerns the Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal. We're going to uncover the facts about how this deal came together and what it means to the future of this iconic, cherished American institution and how the Saudis are taking over not just a team, but the entire sport in the United States for the clear purpose of cleansing their public image. Well, with me to discuss tonight is our BBC golf correspondent Ian Carter and Michael Posner, who is the former Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights and Labour. Ian, can I start with you? Let's just take a step back for a second to the, to the, the months where these two sides were at serious odds. Liv was trying to poach golfers who pay, played on the PGA Tour. Um, those who left were under sanctions. But then suddenly these two sides come to an agreement. How was that received by the golfers and by the wider, the wider golfing fraternity? I think the word uh, to use, Christian, was, was shock. Uh, the golfers had no idea that it was coming. The two sides were was so entrenched seemingly and uh, no one as i say saw it coming there was a sense of betrayal among some of the players rory mcelroy one of the most prominent pga tour loyalists felt that he was had been used as something of a, a sacrificial lamb john rahm the world number two and the masters winner talked about this sense of betrayal as well and i think the wider golf community was also shocked that these two sides could come together but then when you looked at it it kind of made sense it gave saudi arabia a seat at the table a legitimate seat at the table at the top of golf and from the pga tours point of view it gave them a big injection of money we learned from the hearings today that that will be quotes north of a billion dollars but it also signaled the end of legal action between the two sides which was looking like being extremely expensive and again in the hearings today it was said that they the the legal proceedings were going to cost a hundred million dollars a year which the pga tour simply couldn't afford and actually the only thing that has been agreed in the framework deal is to call off the legal hounds if you like to say there will be no further legal action everything else is up for grabs still yeah well we'll talk to that we'll come to that in a second but michael this is contentious and not purely in golfing terms among the audience today in this senate hearing were the 9-11 victims who, of course, have proper concerns about Saudi Arabia's human rights record. That's right. <clears throat> and I think in a range of ways, the Saudis are trying to buy legitimacy, both with golf, with football, with the F1 uh, racing. Uh, not only was there Saudi uh, uh, involvement with 9-11, the attacks on the United States, but the Saudi human rights record today continues to be very poor. Um, people are trying to wash that away and say, well, now women can drive. There's even a Saudi woman 
astronaut. But that doesn't take away from the fact that you really are not allowed to dissent in any way from what the government says and does. There are thousands of people in jail. And Saudi influence in the Muslim world continues to be very pernicious, spreading a kind of extremism um, that's undermining democracy and human rights. Ian, what also emerges today from, from the hearing is that prior to the merger being agreed, there was this draft proposal. The PGA had set out a number of conditions and, and, and the ideas included this, a global World Golf Series team event that would end in Saudi Arabia, Greg Norman being removed from his role as the Live Golf CEO, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy owning Live teams and participating in Live events, and this one, which is an eye raiser, a membership to Augusta National for Yassir Al Romayan, who was the governor of the public investment fund in Saudi Arabia. Are any of those proposals still in play if and when the deal is formalised? It looks like the the, the one of those that, that is still in play is a very uncertain future for Greg Norman, who has been the mouthpiece, the commissioner for Live Golf, someone who really did stir up the, the hornet's nest that has engulfed this sport for the best part of two years. And it looks like he is going to be sidelined if this deal is done. The point was made in the hearing today that if... Uh, the deal is done. Live may well still exist, but it would come under the auspices of the PGA Tour, and therefore there'd be no need for Greg Norman's role. And it's quite clear that the PGA Tour don't want anything to do with him. He might still have an advisory capacity, but that would be that would be it. He wouldn't have the prominent role uh, that he has enjoyed for, as I say, the past couple of years. As for the other suggestions, I think most of those have have gone away. As for those memberships of Augusta and the Royal and Ancient, well, I think it'll be an interesting news conference at the Open Championship <laughs> next week with the RNA Chief Executive Martin Slumbers. Yeah, that will be one to watch. Michael, this non-disparagement clause is interesting because a number of the golfers prior to the mm. merger being proposed were quite happy to express their views about Saudi Arabia and, and the sport washing you've talked about. Are you concerned that that might still be in the proposal? I am, and I think it's a non-starter. You can't expect uh, professional athletes of any stripe uh, to be mute on things they care about. Uh, and I imagine that, that if there is a non-disparagement uh, clause in the agreement, it'll be challenged immediately, and there'll be a number of the golfers who want to speak their mind about what they see as excesses by the Saudi government. I don't think that can last. Interesting detail that has come out of this hearing at the Senate today in Washington. Ian Carter, Michael Posner, thank you very much for your time this evening.